Open our Bibles this morning, please, to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2. And if you didn't bring a Bible this morning, there's probably a red one there in front of you, somewhere down there under the seat in front of you, and that's on page number 974. I don't normally know the page numbers like that, but I peaked. So. <laughs> I'd like to talk to you this morning about the results of the gospel. You know, uh, the church is in business to preach the gospel. That's our business. Uh, our business is uh, to give the greatest message ever given about the greatest person who ever lived, about the greatest sacrifice that was ever made, and the greatest offer ever uh, ever made as well. That's the offer of salvation. We're working our way through 1 Thessalonians, and in chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For, for this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when we received the word of God, uh, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of man, but as, as it is indeed the truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Uh, whenever Paul uh, left the Thessalonian church, he, uh, he, he looked back and he said, you know, my work among you was really successful because you received uh, what I delivered to you. Verse 14 says, for you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. You know, churches do imitate each other. When one church does something and somebody else says, hey, you know what they did? Uh, let's do that. You know, a few nights ago, we had our trunk or treat thing down here on the church property. Churches all over the country do that. And uh, churches are imitators. And we find here that he refers to this church as, a, as an imitating type of church. But he says, you imitated the churches in Judea. And in what way did they imitate for you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen. They imitated the suffering of the churches in Judea. Uh, that's something that we don't even like to think about, right? Other people, there are Christians all around the world suffering. Uh, that's one thing that we don't want to participate in, but sometimes we have to. Verse number 15, it says, "...who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have pers persecuted us." And they do not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of the sins, but wrath has come upon them to the utmost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again, but Satan hindered us. Now, that's interesting. You know, there are some things in life we don't get to do that we want to do, and, and sometimes it's directly connected with satanic opposition against you and against me. He said, I really wanted to come see you, but I couldn't get past the obstacles the devil threw in front of me. Verse 19, it says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. I'm sure that many people in our room this morning, if, uh, if you could pull out your, uh, your wallet, if you could find it, uh, and uh, you opened it up, 
you have a, some pictures of your kids, your grandkids, and you show them off and you say, you say, they are my pride and what? Now, Paul says this of this church in Thessalonica. You are my pride and my joy. Uh, the results of the gospel. You know, when we come into church every week, we always go through our little routine. How you doing? Did you ask anybody that this morning? You weren't looking for an answer, were you? That was a greeting, right? You didn't really want anybody to tell you how they were doing, right? That would be scary this early in the morning. Well, you know, with the Apostle Paul, uh, he, he was concerned about how the church in Thessalonica was doing. And so he had genuine concern. And whenever he asked that question, he, uh, he just didn't pose it as a greeting. It was a, a genuine question. And so he sent Timothy to the church at Thessalonica to find out how they were doing. And the good news came back that they were doing very well. In fact, this is one of the best churches in the New Testament right here. Uh, Isaiah 55:11 uh, is a, a one of my all-time favorite verses. Let's read it together. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Here the Lord says when his word goes out, and that's what we're talking from today, this book. When his word goes out, it won't return void. It like does its thing. It's, uh, it's, the Bible says it's alive. It's alive. And he says, listen, when the word of God goes out, it won't return to me void, but it shall what? Accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. And so when Paul went to Thessalonica, what he did is he didn't go there with like some message about himself. He went there with the word of God and he simply gave it out. And the Bible says here, and we just read it, that they received the word of the Lord. That's verse number 13. They received it. What did they receive? They received... The Old Testament, that's what he was preaching from. Uh, at this particular time, that was their word. Later came the New Testament. And so I said that to say this today. Never underestimate the value of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the word of the Lord. The New Testament is the word of the Lord. And so he preached from the Old Testament. That's God's word. And uh, the interesting thing about verse number 13 is the last part there. The Bible says it effectively works in you who believe. It continues to work. Uh, it brought these people to salvation, but it brought them further than that. It brought them to spiritual growth, to transformation. The church is about two things. It's about salvation and transformation. Let's say that together. Salvation and transformation. You know, the church is about bringing you to Christ. That's what our aim is, bringing you to the foot of the cross, encouraging you to surrender to your life to Jesus the Savior and to be born again. That's the message of the church. But it goes beyond that. Uh, the next step is transformation, to see your life changed for the rest of your life. God just keeps working on us, keeps chiseling those rough edges off. And uh, some of you have been chiseled on recently. And, and that's the work of the Scripture. Uh, you know, when the, when the Bible has its way in your life, 
You come to Christ, you really do. Romans 1.16 is a great verse. Let's read this one. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. The gospel, the message of Christ. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. He's in heaven, and now he sent his Holy Spirit to take the invitation out to everyone to come unto him. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest, right? And so it's the gospel. It's that message that what Jesus Christ did for you and me that has the power of God. And so what that means is we have to unleash it. We have to turn it loose. Always be talking about what Jesus Christ did for the sins of the world. When you go to work, talk about it, if you can. Don't get fired from your job talking about it. Uh, but after work in the parking lot, if that's the way it has to be, talk about it there. When I first started at this church, I, worked, uh, I was a tent maker. I worked downtown Pittsburgh in a, in a place that provided items for the steel companies, which we don't have any longer. And uh, I made appointments with the men that worked around me. I made appointments with them, and I shared the gospel with all of them. I think there was 13 of them. Uh, I, I wanted to make sure when I was there that uh, that's what I did. That was my mission field. Uh, it's your mission field, too. Transformation is a wonderful thing. It's wonderful, it's wonderful to see how God can change a life, right? And, you know, I, I think that every single one of us would, in this auditorium would say this morning, you know, God has changed my life, but there's a whole lot more work to do. Would you admit that? If you would, raise your hand. There's a whole lot more work to do. Wow, this is a work in progress, isn't it? Holy cow. A lot more work to do. Well, that's called transformation. Let me show you how it happens. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Let's read this. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Work out your own salvation. What does that mean? That means let it out. Don't, don't hide it in you. You know, be public with it, okay? Take a stand. Don't be, don't be afraid to take a stand because you need to take a stand. The people you work with need to hear about your stand. Work it out. And you might say, well, that's so hard and I'm so shy and I'm afraid. Well, the good news is what, what he says later. For it is God who works in you. You see, you see the word works there? It's the Greek word energio, and that means that God energizes you to work out your salvation. You might say, I can't. I agree. But God can. He can take you, the timid ones, the ones who are afraid, and he can work out your salvation. He works in you to do two things. See the word both there? First of all, to will. That means to give you a desire. People come to the church and they say, listen, I don't have a desire to serve God. Well, that may be a big red flag if you don't have a desire. That may be a big red flag that you've never really truly given your heart to Christ and the Holy Spirit is not in you. But if the Holy Spirit is in you, he gives you this desire to will 
And then to do, you see those two words to do there? That's the same word in the original language as the word works. He gives you the energy to do it. He gives you the desire and the energy. And it all comes from God. And so if you're here today and you've been trying to serve the Lord and it's just not coming together for you, do it God's way. Invite the Holy Spirit into your heart and he'll give you the desire and he'll give you the energy to carry it out. He'll give, he'll give you, in effect, everything you need to have. You don't have to muster it up. He, he'll give that to you because that's his desire. He's forever changing us. You know, the word of God is salt and light. You know, salt stings if you get it in the wrong spot. A number of years ago, we took a trip to Israel. And, and a boy, to, to swim in the Dead Sea is a, is a joy because you can't sink in the Dead Sea. And so if you're here today and you never learned how to swim, you better go to Israel and you can swim. Yeah, you don't need a, an inner tube. You don't need you just jump in and you bob. And it's just so cool. It's therapeutic. It's got all these minerals in the Dead Sea. But the problem is you, is, is you better be careful if you have any open scratches or wounds because it's all salt. And so sometimes people jump in and they come flying out as fast as they come, go in. They don't know that uh, whenever the Bible is preached, you know what happens? It's salty. It stings. It stings. And that's a good thing because God's trying to get our attention. I think God is always trying to get our attention. And since we're so preoccupied all the time, right? Uh, God has to go to extra methods to do that. And when we read the Bible sometimes, or you come to church and somebody says something, it stings, it hurts. It says, oh, my. That's a good thing. That's saying to you that God loves you, that he cares about you. Uh, the, the Bible is also light. Psalm 119, verse 105. Let's read this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is so good. You know, when you follow the word of God, you never go in the wrong direction. God always leads you in the right direction. Never in the wrong direction. When you come to a fork in the road and you don't know what to do, and the Bible speaks on that subject, well, you just do that, right? It always takes you in the, the right direction. It's, it may not be the safest direction for you, but it's always the right direction. Remember, Paul, uh, God was leading Paul, and he was always leading him in the right direction, and he always got beat up when he got there. Uh, but he knew that when he got beat up or he got thrown in jail, this was the will of God for him, and it was okay. You know, what? the greatest thing in all the world is to be in the will of God. That is the safest, most awesome place in all the world as far as our soul is concerned. To be able to lay your head down at night on a pillow and, and say, hey, listen, I think I did the Lord's work today. I think I pleased God. Man, I'll tell you, you can sleep good. You know that? And so uh, they received the word of God. They also paid a price, verse number 14. Uh, they were a link in the chain of people who had been persecuted for their faith. Um, the scripture says in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Are you ready to suffer persecution? Well, let me say this. If you, if you take a stand for the Lord somewhere, sometime, somewhere along the line, 
this is promise for you and me. We'll be persecuted. Uh, you know, there are people in other countries today that are losing their life simply because they've embraced Jesus. And we hear this more and more all the time. Uh, Paul didn't forget them when he, when he, uh, when he went away. Uh, he, uh, he loved them so dearly. Uh, you know, the results of the gospel are a wonderful thing. And you and I today are, uh, are living proof of that. We're here today uh, not because we're just looking for something else to fill up our time. We're here today to, to make a statement that Jesus has touched our life and we're going to spend the rest of our lives serving him. Because he loved us and died for us and gave his life on the cross for us. And so therefore, in return, what I want to do is give every bit of my life back to the Lord. Uh, I remember when I was uh, about 18 years old. It's harder to remember all the time. Uh, and the Lord was working on my heart. And, and, uh, and the Lord, my mother was praying for me that prayer that I didn't want her to pray. She said, Johnny, I'm praying you become a preacher. I said, Mom, please don't do that to me. Pa, come on. I, you know, I'd like to do anything else but that. But I found out the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous mother avails much. And so I started running from God, and I said, Lord, I don't, I'll, I'll do anything in the church, but I don't want to be a preacher. You know, I'm already tithing my income. I'm already teaching Sunday school. I'm already going to all this. I'm doing everything a Christian ought to do. And So why do you want me to do that? And God just kept saying, listen, you've got to do this. This is your calling. So I remember the night in Denison, Texas, that I walked down an aisle in a church and I knelt there at the altar and I said, Lord, I have nothing to give you but me. I have no money. I don't think I have any talent. Uh, I have nothing. I am a poor airman in the Air Force, just barely putting gas in this old broken down, oil guzzling 1954 Ford. I have nothing good to give you. But I'll give you myself. And God says, okay, that'll do. That'll do. And uh, when you do that, it's, it, uh, it's, it's releasing. It, it's awesome to know that you're in the hand of God. God doesn't call everybody to do what I'm doing. But he calls us all to salvation, right? He calls us all to be saved. And then to be changed by the power of God. We're here in our church today to celebrate and to dedicate our, our new worship center here, which you're sitting in. And it's so, it's so thrilling uh, every Sunday when people come in and haven't been here in a while. And they say, wow, has this changed? Uh, well, we've been working on this project for a number of years and uh, trying to get enough money, saving back a little bit at the church. You've given a lot of money to the project. And as you know, around your house costs a whole lot of money to do even one small thing, right? But we're here today to, uh, to rededicate ourselves as a congregation and uh, our property up here on the hill, which the Lord has given us to his work. When I was thinking about this, I, I went back into the Old Testament, uh, the story of David and Solomon. And uh, I was reading there in 1 Chronicles 29, uh, these words, and as I read them today, you just kind of see if 
you can identify with them, and we can identify our church. The Bible says, Now King David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, whom God has chosen to be the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous, for the temple he will build is just not another building. It is for the Lord God himself. You know, the Lord has given us the property on top of this hill, and it's not for us, it's for him. Using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. Now there is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, and wood, as well as great quantities of onyx. We haven't seen any of that yet. Onyx, other precious stones, costly jewels, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. And now, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I am giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. This is in addition to the building materials I have already collected for his temple. Now then, who will follow my example? Who is willing to give offerings to the Lord today? Then the family leaders and the leaders of the tribes of Israel and the generals and the captains of the army and the king's administrative officers all gave willingly for the construction of the temple of God. They also contributed numerous precious stones, which were deposited in the treasury of the house of the Lord, under the care of Jael, a descendant of Gershon. The people rejoiced over the offerings, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. The king David was filled with joy. Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the holy assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. When they came to dedicate the temple that, uh, that they were thinking about building at this time, uh, they were praising the Lord the whole way. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty, and everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as one who is over all things. Riches and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything, power and might in all your hand, and it is at your discretion that people are made great and given strength. O our God, we thank you and praise you, your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have comes from you, and we give you only what you have already given to us. Isn't that so true? Every single thing we have has come from God. Uh, oh, Lord, our God, even these materials that we gather to build a temple to honor your holy name came from you. It all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I have done all this with good motives, and I have watched over your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. O Lord, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make your people always want to obey you. So, so to it that their love for you never changes. Give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey all your commandments, your decrees, your principles, and to build the temple, for which I have made all these preparations. It's interesting, as I look back over the history of our church, uh, how many people have paid such a tremendous price to keep this church rolling through the years. When Joanne and I showed up here uh, many years ago, there was just a little handful of people in our church. There's a few of them left. I call them the old-timers, of which I'm one. 
And uh, they built the old building over there in South Park, Straight Street, with their hands. They, built, they put the bricks in place. They, built, they, they constructed the building. And they worked and they were discouraged and they kept working and they, kept, they were discouraged and they kept going on. And Lil, you know the, you know the story uh, of how they sacrificed. And then how God has blessed our church in tr- such a tremendous way through the years. And now, and now we are, are ready for a, a new chapter in our church. Uh, just the refurbishing of our auditorium is the first step. And uh, there are many other things here that we want to work on, but we thought, boy, this is the place to start. This is our living room right here. This is where we all hang out together, and this is where we praise and thank the Lord. But we, we don't want to miss the thought that many other people have paid the way for us. We stand on their shoulders. Uh, and, uh, and we commend you uh, for being a part of it. Then David said to the whole assembly, Give praise to the Lord your God and the entire assembly. Praise the Lord and the God of their ancestors. And they bowed low and knelt before the Lord their king. And then, just another short section. Second Chronicles 5, 13 and 14 says this. Whenever Solomon built the temple, David provided the things they needed. The trumpeters, the singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. They raised their voices and praised the Lord. That's what we did today, wasn't it? We had the cymbals. We had other instruments. We raised our voice. We praised the Lord. With these words, he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let's say that together. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, a cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their work because the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. Now that's what we want in our church. We want the glorious presence of God to fill our church. When people come in here, we want them to say, hey, listen, I sense something different in this church. This is just not an organization. This is just not a group of people meeting together to pass the time away. This is where God dwells. This is a movement of God. This is a God thing up here on this hill. And so through the years, God's people have always been in a building process. That's, you just study the Bible, that's the way it is. They've always been building, and when they got it built, they said, Lord, we dedicate this to you. Now, our church many years ago was dedicated to God, but today we want to rededicate it to God. We want people to come into our meeting room now, which is made so much more comfortable and inviting. And we want God to open their heart and change their life. And so we are rededicating our church to the Lord. Let us pray. I'd like to ask uh, Pastor Ken to lead us first in a a prayer of thanksgiving and uh, dedication to the Lord. And then, and then I will uh, conclude uh, with a prayer as well. And so as we, uh, as we prepare for this, I'd like to ask you just to take a minute in your heart and say, and rededicate yourself to the ministry of the Lord, the ministry of the church. 
Maybe you're here today as a Christian and maybe you've grown a little cold toward the things of God. Uh, I want you to join in the rededication today. Uh, I want you to speak to the Lord in your heart right now and say, Lord, use me. You may feel just like I did many years ago. I have nothing to give you, Lord. But I, I'll give you what I have. I, I'll give you who I am. And you know, that's, a, that's an awesome start. It really is. God will take that and he'll use it. Because he doesn't really need the things you have. He's got plenty of things. But he wants you. And so just reach out to the Lord right now. Pastor Ken is going to lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord for his blessings on the church. Father God, we come before you this morning, and we are just so thankful for you, Lord. We, we stop and we re, re, respond in gratitude to you. God, as I stand here this morning, I'm reminded of, of a place on a hill, a little town of Finleyville here, Lord, where you've changed so many lives. Father, you started in my life many, many years ago as just a little kid who wandered in here. The people that were here were being faithful to you. They were serving you faithfully. They began to pray for me. And my life was changed. And Lord, we see that all over this building here today. Many, many lives are changed. This is really the place where we see all the trophies of the grace of God here this morning. And so, Lord, as we come before you, we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for, for allowing us to meet here. We thank you for providing for us, Lord, that we could refurb this auditorium, that it would be a, a place where we can worship you, that it would be holy ground to us, for we gather here with our brothers and sisters, and we honor you. And, Lord, as Pastor read those verses where the holiness of the Lord filled the temple, where we see God all over this place. Lord, that's our desire today. We thank you for the grace that has saved us. We thank you for the grace that has sustained us. And we thank you this morning, Lord, for what you've done in these recent days, Lord. We know that, that you are working every day. This is not something of 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and while you've given us a great history, you are working today, Lord. And we thank you for that. We respond to your blessed holy name. And Lord, we look forward to the great days ahead. People coming to you. People coming to this place to find you, to worship you as the King of kings and Lord of lords. We love you and we thank you for this time that we give this place to you. Dear Lord, as we continue our our plea to you of dedication. We ask you to look into our heart, Lord. Uh, we, asked, uh, we ask you to create in us a spirit of rededication, uh, a new uh, recommitment of our life to Christ. And we pray, Lord, that you will energize us by your spirit uh, to make uh, our church a haven of rest for people who are wandering in this world without hope. We uh, cannot thank you enough for providing the funds that have brought uh, this project nearly to completion. And we thank you for our, the sacrifices that our people have made and how they love you so much. 
And Lord, we give it all back to you, and it's, we ask you to fill this building with people who are filled with the presence of God. And we pray that uh, our testimony will beam out into our community brightly, and it will beam out to the world through our missionaries in the days to come. And so we unitedly come together as a congregation uh, to once again rededicate our building, rededicate our property, and rededicate our lives to you right now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand together for our invitation this morning. And as we sing this concluding song, if you'd like to come and pray about anything going on in your life today, just feel free to do that. Come to the altar. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. You've never done that. You've heard about it. This would be an awesome day for you to come. Just step out, come down to the altar and say, Lord, here I am. I don't have anything to give you but my sin. And I'm, I'm giving you that today. Come into my life and change me. Maybe you'd like to do that today. You just join these that are already here. If there's something on your heart. Come and pray today as we sing.